We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, and welcome to part two of two of Getting to Know You Week. This time around, we're going to be kicking it with Wes Goldberg. And spoiler alert, it was a lot of fun. Wes and I had a playful back and forth, fuck you, about where the Warriors dynasty stands after the Clay injury. And then way more importantly, we do a deep dive into why Warriors fans should be crazy excited about the Kelly Oubre signing and how Oubre should be helping the Warriors not only this year, but hopefully well into the future. I hope your holidays have been going phenomenally well. Go Warriors. Hopefully you enjoy it. Gentlemen, I am excited to announce that back in the Huddle the Bay Area News Group's Warriors specialist, the host of the Locked On Warriors NBA podcast, and a man who is undoubtedly already tired of talking to me since we recorded a podcast like 12 hours ago, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm doing all right. Um, Not tired of talking to you, tired about talking uh, about the draft. Are we done with this yet? Uh, good news, man. I actually have 35 draft questions just ready to go. So get fired Perfect. up. No, uh, no draft stuff at all. And I'll admit something to you right up front. So uh, Marcus Maxime West was nice enough to have me on his podcast this week. We covered a lot of things. Um, it was actually a lot of fun. And I'm sure you can go out there and grab it right now. But Wes, I was going to pretend to the audience that that had not happened and then steal a lot of your topics and sit back and hope that you never actually mentioned that these were your topics and we were just rehashing your podcast. If I had done that, would you have busted me out? Would you have f***ed me or just, just allowed it? On air, no. I would have been the professional that I am and I would have played along and and gone gone along with it. And then after we were done recording, uh, I would have been like, yo, what was up with that? <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And you may hear me scratching off some of the topics I have right now because <laughs> And I don't need that conflict afterwards. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm more passive aggressive. Uh, I love your opinion on all things Warriors. Today it is really necessary. Um, with the Kelly Oubre signing in tow, I need to know all about this guy. And I want to start here. So yesterday when we were talking about this, one of the things you said that caught my eye was that the signing didn't just bring optimism to the fan base that it actually brought a lot of optimism within the organization. Explain that for us. What did you mean? Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, it's interesting. Since I talked to you about that on my podcast, and between that conversation and this conversation, I had a conversation with Steve Kerr for a Q&A that's going to come out on the MercuryNews.com plug. But uh, I asked him that same question about um, – because everybody who I had talked to had – reflected that morale boost but i had not talked to steve about it and i asked steve and he said it was huge for not just the front office but the coaching staff and the players too to know that they weren't sort of throwing in the towel on the season because they could have done that right like they could have went the same route that they went going into last season when i remember talking to to steve kerr i don't know in december or something when it was really clear that this was headed in the direction it was headed in and he told me that in training camp, he knew it was going to be that kind of year that he saw the rebuild coming. He does not have that feeling going into this season. It's a little bit because of the Ubre thing, but you don't want to just put all that on Ubre. It's because of Wiseman. It's because of the development of this team. It's because obviously Steph is back, but I don't think that you're going to see this team get rolled the way they got rolled in the first four games when Steph was playing last season. Um, and so that's 
really kind of what I meant was that there's a lot more confidence in this group that's and and in the first place, and then in getting Kelly Oubre, it showed that ownership was willing to keep spending on this team. Yep. And what was also interesting to me um, in that conversation that I just had with Steve Kerr was that he didn't think that they would have pulled the trigger on the Oubre deal had Clay Thompson not gotten injured. That he thought that they would have they they were talking as if they would have let the trade exception just roll over. Wow. And uh, and they probably would have used the mid level exception on, exception on guys like Brad Wanamaker and Kent Bazemore still, who I thought were always targets for them. Maybe they would have went in another direction with that with that money. But uh, he thought that because Clay got hurt, they needed uh, Joe Lakeup felt like he needed to show this team that they were serious about making the playoffs. And ultimately, the the money that they spent on Ubre and with the luxury tax uh, that followed that. Uh, was worth that show of confidence. There's been a thousand jokes made on this podcast, on podcasts everywhere, about the five stages of grief and how Warrior fans went through it following the claim news. And I think, since I've looked it up, the fifth stage of that is acceptance. I would imagine, at least behind the scenes, it sounds like, in somewhat publicly, the Warriors players and the front office also had to go through those five steps super long setup to this. Do you get the feeling that they've reached acceptance? They've now, they're, they're no longer feeling sorry for Clay and they've just moved on and they're focusing only on this year? They still feel sorry for Clay, but they're definitely not feeling sorry for themselves anymore. It does feel like there is an acceptance because they have to, right? It would be one thing if Clay, if they did, if Clay got hurt a month ago, but he got hurt hours before the NBA draft, before the mo- the, the brink of the most pivotal offseason that Bob Myers has ever overseen like they didn't have time right like at some point you just sort of rush through those five stages and just accept it and do what you have to do and it says a lot that within 24 hours of getting the clay thompson news and and you know the same day that the mri showed that he was going to be out for the season they make the ube trade and then within a couple days they they add wanamaker and baysmore who i like I, I thought those were really nice additions baysmore at the minimum is one of the sneaky good signings of free agency uh and so yeah i think that they they have uh fully moved on and now like they've had months to plan what this team would look like with steph and clay back and now they're sort of back to the drawing board a little bit uh and trying to figure out what they're going to do offensively and defensively now that clay is not going to be a part of it that's that's just strategic stuff but as far as your question goes yeah, they've accepted that now those are those are some questions that they have to answer, even though they had thought they had those questions answered already. MT, are you over this? Are you in acceptance? Yeah, I'm in acceptance. Um, I mean, it's still hard and, you know, still the wound is still fresh, but you have to keep going um, to Steph's point. Like we still have a, a solid roster and we had some some good pickups. So, you know, you got to play the game. So, um you know, it sucks for Clay, but he'll be back in. You know, we just got to play the year out, and I, I like our chances to to be the underdog and to to shock a few people. Can I be honest, really quick? I, I've been thinking about this a lot, even before a conversation, Bram. But even more so after. This is the honest part. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, if I'm a Warriors fan, I get over this. I really don't like that. It is gutting this idea, like. Everybody here knows that I grew up a Heat fan. I can't imagine if this same thing would have happened to Miami during their what I thought was their championship. I guess it sort of did happen with Chris Bosch after the real I'm dynasty sorry, is, happened. Is LeBron still that, playing in Miami? 
the f*** are you talking about? Miami's <laughs> dynasty got completely gutted. You know exactly what this feels like. And it wasn't an injury. It was lack of loyalty. And he bounced on you. Well, no. So that was like LeBron leaving was like Durant leaving. And then, okay, is this really still a dynasty or not? Is the championship window still open or not? Hey, we still have Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And hey, we're going to make some draft picks and stuff like that. And then Chris Bosh went down with the that lung, the blood clot and the lung thing. And that was just horrible and insane and was not expected whatsoever. It, the, the dynasty didn't shut the way that it shut on Golden State when Clay Thompson really tore his ACL and, and Durant with the Achilles in the finals. But um, it did there, – there was a weird, like, is this window still open or not? And I just remember, like, never – like, every time anybody had a conversation about Miami, I was sure. always like, well, it wouldn't be this way if Chris Bosh didn't have this freak injury thing happen to him. And I just feel like that's what it's going to be for Warriors fans in – perpetuity basically yes. and look and you're not wrong if you go that way that no, is an absolute fine is, thing to say well so your question is why can we find the optimism for next year and going forward then it has to center around the current recognized promise of steph curry as a generational player and the hopeful possible promise of people like james wiseman and maybe kelly Oubre, who i'm hoping to explore with you and we'll find out but is it the same as rooting for a dynastic team that went to five straight finals of course it's not and will we suddenly find some shiny thing that makes us feel better about losing one of the most beloved players in any sport over the last 25 years? Again, of course not. But that doesn't mean that we spend this year only thinking about that. It doesn't even mean no, we spend optimism, this week. Optimism is great. And now you've got this great excuse if you need it as a fan in the Clay Thompson injury. And look, the Warriors are much better off than where the Heat were. You still got Steph Curry. The heat, the form of Miami fans' optimism was drafting Shabazz Napier, and you guys got James Wiseman. So, so you guys are in a little bit of a better position than the Heat. Shabazz was good at UConn, but um, I think the other too. thing that that makes it a little different too is we were talking about this earlier. Was um, Clay's game is different than Chris Bosh? Like Chris Bosh, like he had a blood clot and he just literally could not step on the court per doctor's orders. Like Clay. It's going to be like, how does his body react and how mobile is he after these two big injuries? But we were saying earlier, he scored 52 points and he only took five dribbles. So he's not a guy that needs to slash and cut to the rim and dunk a bunch of times. So if he can just get open and get that shot off with his height, we, you know, he has a better chance at, at coming out of this and still being an effective player. Not the same right. clay, but uh, a, still a good version of a player. Well, no, but but hold on. A lot of what made Clay so valuable is not just the fifty-two points with six dribbles. It's, it's also defense. that he covered Steph on defense. I mean, yeah. that it's like. It, and Wes, to your point, I mean, it, it guts. Like, I'm still, I'm really nervous about the first game because I feel like it's going to be picking at an open wound. There are constant reminders of what this team was supposed to be. I mean, every time I see any Golden State, you know, paraphernalia, some jersey on the street, or a bumper sticker, it's sort of like. Re- opens this thing for me i was sitting here through this entire pandemic saying i just can't wait it's going to be so sick when they're back on the court i i don't think i'm ever going to get over it hold your disappointment for if you can i mean this is one of those do as i say not as i do things but try to hold your disappointment until like game 30 game 40 because they're not going to they're going to come out and they're going to look disheveled they're adding a lot of new pieces and they're going to have to figure out a way to win if that's still happening in game 30 40 then yeah panic time um but I think they can reasonably cobble together at least 85% of their offense that, that they lost with Clay with the pieces that are there. 
with Wiggins, maybe with Wiseman, maybe Poole figures it out. I mean, they can, they can put up points. Um, Steph is a genius on the offensive end. It's the defensive side we have to be terrified about. Now, hopefully, Wiseman gives us a little bit of protection at the rim. You know, if, if what we're hearing about his size and his athleticism, it, there's reasons for optimism there. And then Ubre helps us on the perimeter. I mean, it's there. There are reasons why that this isn't just bullshit optimism. I think there's some foundation for it. But fuck, let's talk about Ubre and and Marcus Wes. I need your guys' takes. I've watched a lot of film on him. But I didn't really watch him live a lot in Washington. I didn't really watch him live a lot in Phoenix. Um, so I want, you know, whatever details you can provide. Wes, start here. Who is this guy on the floor right now? How is he going to help the Warriors immediately starting next year? He's long. He's got like a sprinter's body. Like he, he looks like a track star out there. When He's going to get out and run the way that James Wiseman gets out and runs, the way that Andrew Wiggins does. Um as important as what he can do as a slasher and in transition player is the fact that he is nicknamed Tsunami Poppy, Wave Poppy, and Shot. Those are his listed nicknames on basketball reference. And so when you combine that with the fact that he can get to the rim and finish and has the versatility on defense, I think you got yourself a really good player. I was thinking about changing my name to Shabazz. Nope, I'm now changing it to Tsunami Poppy. <laughs> it's taken. <laughs> You've been talking about MMT for weeks. Um, this is one of the guys who we identified as a TPE target. Um, it happened. Why did you want him? Why are you excited that he's here? Um, for the reasons that West is listed, I, I think offensively he brings um, you know a, a good lengthy player who um, doesn't have to have the ball to have an impact. Uh, he recently did an interview and said all his points in Phoenix, he got him out the mud. And I think that's a great way to kind of describe mm -hmm. it is, you know, he had to just kind of scrape and, and, and get kind of junk points and he doesn't have to do that with us. So I think it'll play a little bit more to his strengths in our offensive flow, but he'll really be felt on, on the defensive end. I mean, he can guard one through four easily. He's, he's, very quick laterally and you know has great height and a great wingspan um and he just has that drive and you know he has that edge and that dog in him that i think pairs nicely with draymond and just will you know give a little bit of bite and a little bit of edge to our defense which um is always helpful and i think defensively too with his length and you pair that with wiggins and wiseman and all these guys that they've picked up recently they're going to do a lot more switching they're going to do a lot more blitzing they're going to do a, a, a lot more showing on pick and rolls. And you can even see them maybe throw out some zone because that seems to be a new thing that happens in the NBA. And they've got the tools to do this now. And I, I, I agree with MT that that's probably where you see the impact at first the most is on defense. It's a really good one-on-one -on -one defender, too. He needs to work out, uh, work on some of the team defense stuff. He, he'll let some guys back screen him and things, too. But that's why Draymond Green is there to yell at you. Um, I think that offensively, you're going to see his mark in the last few minutes of games more than anything because you look him and Wiggins are similar in that they're both slashers. Uh, average three-point shooters and outside shooters, not terribly efficient as scorers. But I, st I know people get caught up in these efficiency numbers all the time, but I know you need guys who just want the ball at end of games, and Kelly Oubre is one of those dudes. He just He's not afraid of taking that big shot, and Steph can't be the only guy – willing to take that shot at the end of games. I don't think that Andrew Wiggins wants to take that shot, honestly. I don't want, I don't, maybe Jordan Poole does, but he's not going to be on the floor. 
you know, Eric Pascal probably would, but he might not be on the floor either. Maybe in certain matchups he would. So if you have Ubre, who's going to be penciled in as one of your closers, willing to take that shot, that's going to be huge for them. They, they really needed that kind of presence with Clay out. I like the storyline behind him, and I always like those kind of things. We talked about this already one time, Wes, but it's worth putting back out there. So I am the type of asshole boys where if I played for a team, I got hurt or I wasn't playing with them and the team did really well, I would do nothing but support them. I would say all the right things in public, and internally, I would hate their success. I'd be so bitter. It would, it would, it would motivate me, but it would also drive me crazy. And what we just watched was a Phoenix team in the bubble who played way above what anybody thought that they were going to do. Their inclusion was seemingly a mistake, and then they almost made the playoffs. And when they did that, that huge spurt of success, it was all with Kelly Oubre on the sidelines. He didn't play at all. And then afterwards, Phoenix seemingly thought that they could succeed, continue to succeed without him, and they ditched him. Off he went to OKC, and he came here. If Oubre is anything like me, and we just talked about how he is a dog and how he has an insane amount of confidence. If he has any of my emotional shortcomings, then he is crazy motivated right now to come out and show the world that Phoenix made a mistake. And you couple that with the opportunity that just happened with Clay going down and what Golden State needs out of him. We'll see if it happens, but there's some real reasons uh, to be excited for it, you know? Um, well, I also want to just point out one more thing that I think is really important, right? We we all know that, that he started his career in Washington and then went to Phoenix, which are two teams that aren't particularly known for having um, great track records. And yet, every single year, he improved by about four points per game, right? From 3.7 his first year to 6 to 11 to like 15 and then to 18 last year. I mean, look, there's no reason to expect that he's going to jump to 22, but like it, there's, an in, there's no guarantee that a player is going to develop like that. It proves that he cares, and you put him in a winning environment. Like I think this dude is going to be even better than we've already seen in his career at the NBA. So uh, let me turn that into a question to both of you guys. Wes, take it first, but first let me read you a quote. All right, The question is going to be, this kid's 24. How good do you think he can be? What's his ceiling? Here's the quote. Quote, I'm obviously a younger individual who can really, really learn from how they were to handle those certain adverse times and people saying they weren't going to be this or that, Ubre said, which they are now. He's talking about Steph and the rest of the Hall of Famers. And I want to show everybody that I can potentially be a Hall of Fame player as well. Who is better to learn from than guys like Clay, guys like Steph, guys like Draymond, guys like everybody that's been through this organization? Wes, how much better do you think this guy can get? So just as my background, I've been high on Oubre since he came out of Kansas uh, four years ago. I, I think he's got a ton of potential. He was my draft crush of that draft, <laughs> and I really wanted the Miami Heat to draft him, uh, at, which is Wait, an like statement. I, I tend to, to cheer for the Heat, yeah. Um, they didn't. He went to Washington. His career didn't go so well because Washington. And then he goes to Phoenix and, like, like MT referenced earlier, gets it all out the mud, right? Like he makes it happen for himself. And now he's going to be in a, a situation with Golden State. He didn't like how things were going down in Phoenix. He's going to go to a stable organization with a nice culture and the ecosystem to help him thrive. I think you're going to see the best version of Kelly Oubre. And by the way, it's a contract year. So he's going to want to get paid this summer. And I think you're going to see him have a really nice season for the Warriors because they're going to make things easier for him. And uh, like he said, he's going to have a chance to learn a lot. 
what did he do to earn your crush uh, in the draft? What, why, as a player, what was it that, that I just, I love dudes. I love dudes who are like what I said before, just of the utmost confidence. They just don't care. They just have, they just have attitude to their game. Like Dion waiters is still in my club. You know what I mean? Like he's not getting pushed out. Like those are my guys. It's why I like D'Angelo Russell. It's why I like Kelly Oubre, just guys who are fearless uh, and go against the grain of analytics. I just enjoy watching them so much especially in today's NBA. And then I like his length and his quickness and his athleticism. I think you put all that stuff together and you've got the potential for a guy who could be a real difference maker. Do you get a sense of his personality? So I, I listened mm-hmm. to the uh, introductory press conference and I'll, I won't play the sound to protect the guilty, but I heard him flash or at least uh, give some shit to one of the reporters. Somebody asked him something about friendships and he said, you don't know me like that. Uh, right. Does he seem to be a fairly strong personality? How would you describe uh, uh, him on that side? Strong personality, honest, uh, just uh, just a straight straight shooter. Just and I I appreciate that. Like you don't get a whole lot of that in the NBA anymore. And by the way, I thought he was he was right to say what he said. I think maybe he was a little little touchy on it, but yeah, I thought that the question was a, a little out of left field and. And he reacted that way. So I love it. I'm down. He also took a shot at Robert Sarver um, and pointed out that it's going to be great to be playing for this team as opposed to the Suns. Let's Mm -hmm. make it a positive question. Did he seem to be excited to be in Golden State? Do you think that, I mean, you just said it's a contract year. Is he hoping to use this? And this is just a guess, but is he hoping to use this as a catapult to a contract anywhere? Or is he hoping to use this as the opening season to a long relationship here in Golden State? Yes. Right. Like, I, I think he's, he's trying yes, to get. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he wants he wants to play his way into his first big contract. Right. And, you know, 14 million dollars, nothing to sneeze at. But his, his next big contract, I, I suppose I should say. And if it happened to work out in Golden State, then he would love that. I mean, uh, I he, he talked a little bit about never really finding a home, um, never getting got like some D'Angelo Russell vibes from him. Honestly, and I mean that in a good way. I think D'Angelo Russell gets painted with a bad brush, but um, I, you know, wanted to find a home. He's been now. If if he left the Warriors this coming summer, it would be his fifth team in five years. I mean, that's tough. So that that's I get the sense that he wants the contract, and if he could stay with the Warriors, he could. Wes, you were amazing. Thank you so much. Where can we find your work for those who need more uh, Goldberg in their life? Find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Listen to the podcast, Locked on Warriors, especially this week when we had Bram on. Wes, you're the man. Thank you. Good luck on the uh, radio spot. Thank you. Um, Maxine, we haven't heard your take on this. Where are you on Kelly Oubre? Optimistic, to use the buzz phrase we've been throwing around this uh, entire episode? No, this is one of the th- one of the bright spots um, in the, the, the post-Clay um, schism, so to speak. Um, I, you know, I'm... I'm looking forward to it. It's it's got me feeling, yeah, I think optimistic is a good word. Give me a timeline, boys. Final question for today. How many weeks or games or days? I mean, let, let's let's come up with a date. The season starts on December 22nd. What date are we no longer allowed to reference Clay's injury anymore and we just ride with the people we came with? January 1st, uh, November 25th, tomorrow. I mean, what's what's a fair thing to do here? Because I, I, I want to just turn the page. I don't think it's that easy. And I'd, I'd like a goal to reach that emotional separation by. 
Oof, I don't know. That's going to be hard for me, man. It's going to come in waves, I feel like. There are going to mm. be moments that uh, I'm going to be tied to it. You know, and like I think at the extremes, if things start going really poorly, obviously I'm not going to be super excited. Um, but if things are going really, really well, I think I'm also going to be a little bit sad that, that Clay is not a part of it. Here, let me change that question into, and let me ask you this one, because it's one I'm excited for, and I, uh, I should have thrown it towards Wes as well. If you had to bet a significant amount of money, do you think Kevin Durant reached out to Clay Thompson after the injury? Oh, good question. Um, I don't think he has yet, but I think he will. I think Kevin Durant appreciates the mental space that Clay is in right now. That's interesting. So, so he wants to help him. It's not that like he's standoffish. It's more that he knows that the, the best way to help him is to not be on top of him with him. Exactly. Having gone through it, I think those first few days are dark, and I don't, I don't think Clay has had the surgery yet, right? No, I don't think so either. Yeah. So I think KD remembers that, and he waits, and then post surgery is when he gives him a call. And he's like, "Hey, this is what I went through, and you know, this is what you're gonna feel." And I think. I think he does do that. Uh, you know, like we give KD a lot of on this podcast, but, um, you know, he was, he was a solid teammate. So I think he does do that just because he was close enough with clay that, um, it's still a brotherhood. It would be the most illustrious fact about him if he did not, you know, I, I think he did too. If I had to put money down, I would bet that, that he's either has or is going to, if he did not, that is more telling to me than Draymond calling him a bitch in the Clipper game or any of the other news that came out. I feel like that would be more illustrative of the relationship that he left in Golden State than anything else. And again, I think he will or has reached out. Maxine, what do you think? I think he's reached out already. I think he reached out right away. Day um, of? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, like the thing is, is that there was some animosity, I think, publicly uh, and I'm sure that there was some disappointment amongst the Warriors players and KD. Uh, but I think that that moves on quicker than than we would like to expect or think to expect externally. The NBA is a fraternity, you know, and I think these guys have their each other's backs, especially when each has gone through a significant injury. Yeah, and, and especially it's... with Clay too, right? Like, I think Clay is one of those players that you know, like obviously Dub Nation was hurt, but the NBA lost a mm. player, like a personality and people that other fans even like to root for clay just because he's clay and you know so i think that helps with that moment of there's a, a rallying around you know who this guy is well and you factor in as a third point of that the aau culture not only is it a fraternity not only is clay clay but clay is an elite player and probably developed a relationship with kevin durant before kevin durant was even on the warriors you know um and so yeah he probably reached out but it was one i was interested in boys Huge fun. Always true. Certainly true this week. If you are out there, you want to help us out, uh, I cannot tell you how much we would appreciate it. We are up on Patreon. Just go to P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Look up Warriors Huddle, and you can help us out for as little as like a dollar a month. You can also follow us on Twitter at Warriors Huddle. And if you want to tell us that we were terrible, that we were good, that we were anywhere in between, you can shoot us an email to uh, warriorshuddle at gmail.com. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully, we'll see you next week.
Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.